It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve in the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when your main star is only in the film for about 20 minutes of this sci-fi supernatural revenge movie? Why, you get the Wraith. Why, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And this week, wow, that that was odd. Uh, <laughs> this week, uh, I'm bringing you the film The Wraith, starring Charlie Sheen, which starring should be in, like, quotation marks, to be honest, as you heard from the little intro right there. It truly is... I got fucking Steven Seagal on this movie, Okay. And if you don't know what that is, that's an executive decision reference, okay? Have you ever seen that movie with Kurt Russell and John Leguizamo and Steven Seagal? And I remember as a kid going to that movie and seeing it on, like, seeing the poster and Steven Seagal, Kurt Russell. Yes, I'm so fucking excited. Steven Seagal, Under Siege, Under Siege 2, uh, whatever the fuck else he had done at that time, I don't fucking remember right now, but, like, I begged my parents... Let's go see this. Oh my god. I know this doesn't have to do with the Wraith. But it has a point, honestly. And I'm going to spoil this as well. So if you haven't seen Under Siege... Not Under Siege. (laughs) If you haven't seen fucking Executive Decision, you're going to get spoiled. But, okay, so you go there and you... I beg them. Beg them to death. I really want to see this movie. Steven Seagal, Under Siege was so fucking cool. And here he is again, and he's going to be... It's fucking Kurt Russell. I mean, big trouble in little China, Kurt Russell. Let's fucking go and see this movie. Why would you not want to see this? So we go, and we showed up late. (laughs) We showed up ten minutes late because my sister was throwing a fit about wanting to see this movie... And, which she didn't, and it was my choice to go see the movie, so fuck you, sis, we're gonna go see this goddamn movie, and at least that's how I remember it, um, and so we get in there, and it's at the scene of the movie where Steven Seagal is pushing Kurt Russell into the plane, and they're in this, like, stealth bomb or whatever, and they're, they're having problems, and Steven Seagal closes the hatch, and the fucking stealth plane blows the fuck up, Now, we're 10 to 15 minutes late to this movie. I don't remember exactly, but somewhere around there. And he's gone. No more Steven fucking Seagal. What do we get to deal with? John Leguizamo being the military hero, quote-unquote. And Kurt Russell doing whatever Kurt Russell is doing in this movie, which isn't being a badass action star uh, or, like, his quippy self. This isn't Snake Plissken, okay? This is, like... Seriously, like, businessman Kurt Russell. And it's not a terrible film, but I got fucking gypped. 
I was like, when you go and you see that fucking poster, it looks like he's kind of in the background, kind of hazed out. And I think that was what they were like trying to tell you. Hey, he's fucking dead in this movie and you're only going to see him for 10 fucking minutes. And that's what I fucking got in the Wraith, man. I got fucking Steven Seagal with this shit because honestly, and I'm being totally truthful here. There was only one scene that I did not include that includes Charlie Sheen in the clips. One. One. So everything that you're going to hear is the amount of time that he was in this movie. Literally, I think if I put all of them together, it may be 15 minutes. It may be 10. Even with that one scene excluded. And that's dialogue. That's not like seeing him roll up on the fucking bike. That's it. And and he is the main fucking star on the top of this poster. It is Charlie Sheen in The Wraith. Who the fuck else is in this movie? Oh shit, it's Randy Quaid. Randy fucking Quaid is in this movie, stars in The Wraith. Okay, but it's not that it's Randy Quaid's fucking movie. It's that he's the only guy that I can recognize, except for the guy that plays, I think it's Raghead, um, who has been in a ton of movies like, when you see him, right away, you know who he is, and I can't fucking pinpoint what other movies he's been. He's been in a couple of Adam Sandler comedies and some other sci-fi kind of horror-ish stuff. I, I don't remember his name off the top of my head right now, which, you know, if I was professional, I would have it right here in fucking front of me and not be looking it up on my phone as I'm trying to ramble on and figure out what his name is. But I'm not a professional, so I'm not doing either of those right now. So... But when you see the guy, you're like, oh my god, it's it's that fucking guy, you know? But he he's not a name actor or anything like that. No one else is. You know who the actual star of this movie is? It's the guy that plays Packard. Packard is the bad guy, and he is the movie. Everything follows him. Every scene is fucking him. Now, the rumor has it with this is that Charlie Sheen was filming something else at the same time that he was supposed to be filming this movie, and he spent a long time more than that. And I've heard people say it was Platoon, uh, it might have been something else, but, you know, if that was me and I was Charlie Sheen, yeah, if I had a choice between Platoon and The Wraith, I'd probably spend all my time with Platoon. So there's a lot of scenes where he's in this random costume, and it's obvious that it's not fucking Charlie Sheen in that costume. It's I don't count that as him being in the film, because even if, let's say, he really was in that costume, why would he do it? Like, it's not a superhero movie. It's not like he's fucking Michael Keaton and he's going around as Batman or he's the Joker and fucking Jack Nicholson. You need to be in this fucking makeup. No, he's a biker weird bionic thing that looks like he's fucking uh, Jimmy from South Park, right? He looks like he's got fucking prosthetic like uh, leg like handlers. I, I don't know what they call them. Fucking, you know, if you look at Jimmy... And he's got the things that he uses for his arms to help him walk around because his legs are all small and shriveled up, right? Well, he's got, like, those type of, like, they're not prosthetics, but, you know, enhancements, we'll call them. Attached to his body, and they... Uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Th- this movie is one of those films where I don't know if I would have seen it on my own. I, I, if I would have gone on... I remember this being on Netflix a little while ago, and I think Amazon Prime had it for a little bit. Uh... And I remember seeing it and being like, huh, I don't know much about that movie. 
And then another podcast that I listen to and enjoy and try to every once in a while figure out a movie that they're not going to cover. Um, they actually did this film. And it I still wouldn't have no interest in it. But if it wasn't for Derek uh, on Facebook for suggesting the movie or asking if I could do this film, um, I probably honestly wouldn't have watched this movie at all. And so it's a very interesting thing. I I didn't know that this was going to be like this. And and also, um, you know, Ben, the Angry Dad of Angry Dad Podcast, he was excited that I was also going to be doing this film. Uh, He reached out to me and he's like, this is one of my favorite films uh, from when I was a kid. And so I kind of at that point had very high expectations for this thing. And does it live up to those expectations? Well, let's get into it and find out. So we start the film and we get like, what looks like it's fucking heavy metal. And I'm not talking about, like, heavy metal, you know, music. You know, heavy metal. I'm talking about heavy metal, the film. Uh, which is, if you have never seen that movie, that is my fucking, like, childhood right there. That whole film encompasses everything that I loved as a kid. Uh, and still love. And I know it's fucking cheesy today. And it's got John fucking Candy doing two different voices in the film. One, a sex robot, which is fucking fantastic. And the last sequence, of course, is like the big grandiose. Now, skip Heavy Metal 2000. Please do not see that piece of garbage. In fact, that movie might even fucking show up on here during the next sci-fi month. I don't know. But Heavy Metal is so cool because it was one of those anthology films that you just... The animation is so fucking fantastic. The music is great. I mean, it's so good. And the beginning of this looks like it could fucking fit right into one of those segments. Like the way that it's drawn, you see the stuff all coming together. And then there's just a long fucking like intro to bring the guy into the whole thing. Right? Whoever this, the Wraith is. uh, And to see him driving down the road. And then the soundtrack kicks in. And oh my fucking god. I, again, I felt like I was in heavy metal. Not just that. I felt like I was watching Transformers the movie once again. Not Transformers Michael Bay. Transformers the animated movie from uh, late 80s, early 90s. Who has one of the best fucking soundtracks that have has ever, ever fucking existed. And I'm not just talking about because it's got two tracks from Stan Bush on it that are phenomenal. Uh, It's just everything about that. Like, it's so good. And right away, there are comparisons here that are ridiculous because both Lion and Stan Bush are on this goddamn soundtrack. So it feels like an extension of the Transformers fucking soundtrack. You know, I'm just waiting for the robot piranha scene to show up in this movie. And then all of a sudden, nothing's gonna stand in our way. Nothing's gonna stand in our way. Not tonight. Oh, sorry. I I fucking love that soundtrack. But honestly, you've got a track from Lion, or two tracks from Lion in this film. And Lion did the theme song for Transformers. And then you got a Stan Bush song as well, plus Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, you've got Billy Idol, you've got, I believe Van Halen is also in this movie. Uh, no, I think it's Motley Crue, I'm sorry. Why do I mix those two up? Because I'm fucking stupid, that's why. Because it's smoking in the boys' room. Uh, it's just a fucking killer fucking soundtrack. Like, 
that was the first thing that hit me. That theme song hit, and I'm just like, man, this this feels really kind of almost glam era fucking metal 80s right there. And then all of a sudden, the next thing, when there was the first, like, car race type thing that we'll talk about, Ozzy slips in, and I'm just like, holy shit. And then it just kept, like, fucking pumping in. It is cheese fucking rock. The whole thing is, like, cheese metal, cheese rock. But it's fantastic, and that is the highlight for me of this film. And I could go on forever about how awesome and awesomely 80s this soundtrack is. But we're going to keep going, and I'm going to digress here. So... We see that there's this car that's driving along in the middle of the night, and he starts getting chased by some other cars. Eventually, he pulls over, and then he's approached by the people from the other vehicle. Why'd you stop me? What do you want? Let me help. Well, let's just say it's pink. Oh, God. Forget it, pal. No way. I might forget it. I'm a nice guy. But them? They think the title to your car might be worth something. Is that a fucking gremlin in the background? I want this ditty. That's what it really fucking sounded like in the background there. Uh, also, nice innuendo, guys. It's something pink. Oh, God. No, he doesn't want your fucking pussy, okay? He wants the title to the car, the pink slip. You know, what allows him to fucking get this supposedly legal... But he challenges the guy to a race, and basically the rules of the race are, well, let's talk about them. <laughs> All right, buddy. So you lose this race, and you decide to keep going? <laughs> oh, when we get done with that, I don't think you want her back again. Want to be? Take care of her, fellas. Okay, the first one, the Dragonfire Crossing wins! You lose the race! You lose your car! Ready? So there you go. There's the Aussie. I'm already fucking slipping back into the soundtrack again. Oh my god, I really want to listen to it. Honestly, like, I went out and found this fucking soundtrack after I finished watching this movie, and I fucking love it to death. But, you see, this is Packard and his gang here. And basically what they do is they're like a chop shop, right? So they race a bunch of people around. And they do this quote-unquote legally where they stop them in the middle of the road. They challenge them to a race. They say, hey, you lose the race. Uh, we're going to take your car. But they find ways to kind of, I guess, force people into these situations. So in here, they're basically telling him that, hey, if you don't race, we're going to do something to your girl. Which is pretty much innuendo for fuck, you know, well, fucking her <laughs> pretty much, right? They're going to have their way with her unless he races, And especially if he tries to just drive off. Now, what he could have done is just fucking kick Packard in the nuts and try to grab his girl and run away. Or, you know, if he's one of those guys that just says, see ya, and then fucking runs out uh, on her right away and doesn't care whether or not because he's going to be able to keep his car. So, of course, they race. They race along the highway. It's late at night. And the guy is winning. And then we see that Packard actually kind of knocks his car off to the side. 
so that way that he can win the race. And when they come back, he explains that, hey, they won this nice and legal. Hey, guys, she's all ours, nice and legal. It's all right. It's all right. You okay? All right. All right. I would have won. You had to cheat to beat me, force me off the road. That ain't racing. That's trying to murder someone. You lost, guy. What can I say? Now take your girl and walk. I think you'll find it safer that way. <laughs> You're nothing but road pirates. You gotta cheat to win. Let's go, George. Yeah, Escape, pal, while well, you still got your lips attached to your face. The girl yeah, George. Yeah, George. <laughs> I like the little chorus that's behind him all the time from the rest of the gang. And it doesn't really sound like any of the guys that are in the gang itself. It sounds like it's totally 80 yard and it's just random people in a room. Hi, George. 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 Like, it's seriously just a ton of other people making random fucking sounds all the time. Well, not all the time, at least for these two intro scenes that are going on right here. Now, if this is also all nice and legal, right? One, it's a street race, so that's not fucking legal. And he's basically getting the pink slip. Who the fuck keeps their pink slip inside the car? Like, honestly, I know I don't. I don't want somebody to fucking steal my car and all of a sudden have the pink slip and then go and fucking legally change it over to my name. I mean, you deserve to get your car fucking jacked from you if you're going to have your pink slip in your fucking car. It's like carrying your social security card on your goddamn self. If you get robbed, fuck, you deserve to lose that shit if you have it with you all the time. Speaking of which, maybe I need to put that away. So as they take the car away, night becomes day, and we see somebody driving up in a motorcycle in the distance. And we see this for over a minute. Just him driving. Like, it's literally from the far end of the camera, just coming in for that close-up. We're padding this film with extra time of some dude fucking riding into town. And, of course, can you guess who this might be? Well, it's definitely Charlie Sheen in one of the first scenes that you're going to see him in. And he starts rolling into town, and then we see Carrie. And she's the main heroine, or whatever the fuck she is. She's just the main object of affection in this fucking movie. The, the, she really honestly has no point to the film other than she's the one that Packard always wants to be with. And it's kind of like the catalyst for everything that goes down. Okay, I guess she has a little bit of a point. But I just fucking hate this actress so much because I don't know who's phoning it in more. Her or Charlie Sheen whenever they're together in the same scene. See, he rolls up and he rolls up right by her as she's coming out of the house. And of course, he decides to ask her, hey, where's the location of this like scantily clad swimming canyon that everybody's going to? Hey, it's the way to Crawford Dam. Uh-huh. It's, it's a little ways up and then you take the Willow River cutout. Thanks. Hey, wait. Uh, are you new in town? Yeah, I, uh... <laughs> um, hey, I'll show you the way. Hop on. Okay. I'm Jake Kesey. I'm Carrie Johnson. Hi. Oh, great. Goodbye. Can't ride. Boyfriend? No way. Okay, why can't you ride? Because there's some random guy that's pulling up, 
and he basically has control of you even though you don't want to be with this guy is that what we're gonna get and why are you so like okay to just jump on the back of a stranger's fucking bike the first time you fucking see him i mean i'm not gonna call this love at first sight or anything like that but well maybe it's lust at first sight right all of a sudden you see a guy that shows up looking like charlie sheen you're just like fuck there's nobody in this town that looks like that i want a piece of that dick and then you find out later on that he's got a very small penis and you really can't do anything about it because all of a sudden you've just given yourself to this random guy that's come in there and hey now you're stuck with him for the rest of your life because he managed to knock you up now you've got a couple of kids and you're just in this situation forever because you're some type of passive aggressive bitch that doesn't know how to get out of the relationship properly because you're being controlled by some guy that's a total creep. Seems familiar to me. What did he want? Nothing. He's new in town. You know you can get killed riding on the back of bikes, Carrie. Excuse me? You're mine. And I'll do anything necessary to keep it that way. Do you see, there's Packard once again, and yeah, he has total control over everything that Carrie fucking does. So the reason that she gets off the back of the bike and being with, not being with Charlie Sheen for this fucking moment, is that he is basically the one that's like keeping every man away from her, as we learn in the following scene to find out that he is actually a super creep. Super creepy. You think you own me? That somehow I'm your private property? You are. Nobody loves you as much as I do. Nobody. It's because everybody's scared of you. If you're not going to be my girl, you're not going to be anybody's. Isn't that a reason enough for her to go to the fucking cops and be like, hey, this guy's basically threatening my life here. He says, if I can't be his girl, I can't be anybody's. And of course, you know, you're in Arizona, so... Sorry, Arizonians, I don't understand or don't know the fucking uh, climates down there. I'm a pussy from fucking the Bay Area, California, and you know the way the people are around here, because I can kind of think that you can guess the way the people are around here, just by what you see in the news. Uh, But couldn't this lady go to a fucking police officer or anybody else and be like, hey, this guy's threatening my life, and I need to get the fuck out of this relationship that I'm not really in. I don't actually do anything with him. I'm not romantically involved, nor am I actually fucking this guy, or we don't have any kids. I mean, all he's trying to do is just keep me to himself constantly, and he stops any effort I try, you know, when I want to get with somebody else and actually want to get some dick that's not his. Uh, he fucking stops the whole thing and scares everybody away. In fact, he's got this town under his thumbnail. And that's the way that it kind of is. Like, everybody in this film is fucking afraid of Packard. And I don't really understand why. Because he's kind of a pussy in, in most regard. Not just in, you know, the small little things that he does throughout the film. And he also really doesn't have any emotion when anything happens. I mean, somebody fucking croaks that's it and and we'll get a little more into it as the film goes along so now we're at this dam where i guess everybody just kind of goes to sunbathe and maybe go inside the river that's there it looks like a really pathetic lazy river to be honest with you uh and so you know she eventually gets down to her swimsuit and i can see why she's in this film Uh, And we see up on the cliff that Charlie Sheen, his character Jake, is looking down and surveying the area. 
this is where we get to meet Billy, who is the brother of Jamie that we find on a second that was actually killed, who used to be the boyfriend of Carrie. Look, do you mind if I lay my towel here? I ain't welcome over there. Why not? Why ain't I welcome or it's okay to lay here? Take your pick. Hey, you new in town or something? You got a name? Jake. Jake. I'm Billy Hankins. I work over at Big K's slinging burgers. Listen, you ever need a burger in Brooks, you call me, okay? Man, she's beautiful, don't you think? Me and her are pretty good friends. Well, actually, she's... She used to be tight with my brother. She's got real problems with that lunatic she's with there now. What kind of problems? Well, Packard's a mistake in nature, a genetic misfire. It's what? Packard gets crazy jealous if anybody even looks at Carrie cross-eyed. You gotta wear dark glasses so he doesn't catch you at it. That includes your brother, I assume, right? My brother Jamie? The guy you were just talking about. He's dead. He was murdered up on the Willow River. But nobody ever knew who did it. I'm sorry, man. I had no idea. It's okay, bro. Okay, so there's a couple things that's like going on around here. First... Who just asks a random guy, like, hey, can I put my towel right down next to you and lay right here and then start talking about, like, all the hot chicks that are in the area? Doesn't that sound a little odd to anybody else? Like, I'm not trying to insinuate anything, but, like, when somebody's kind of, like, overtly, like, <laughs> trying to be hetero, it feels like they're always trying to make up for something else. I, I don't know. But I guess it's a little kind of like giving insight into the whole relationship between Jamie and Carrie and kind of figure out what was going. And at the end of it, this is kind of ridiculous to say, I guess, at this point. But after listening to that clip that went on at the end, it still feels a little weird the way that it ends when he's like, yeah, my brother was murdered. And he's like, uh, I, I didn't know, man. Like, how are you supposed to fucking know first? right like you're new in town technically and then after this there's these weird little like flashbacks of somebody getting tortured and getting like slashed with a knife across his back and charlie sheen's got all these fucking scars on his back and a scar around his neck what are we supposed to believe in this scene right like there's these weird flash who's having the flashback is it billy that's having a flashback there's no way because billy fucking wasn't there and we see that carrie's there and we see some that like other dude which we're assuming is jamie is fucking there and it's like why are we having these flashbacks right now why do we have to you know wait so long after this to get the reveal of like you know ruin it for you right now jake is jamie and jamie is jake like if you can't put together that like right now at this point in the film with them showing that i I don't know what to say to you uh i guess you might be as smart as the writers are or this might be one of those edits that they put in later because they felt like oh we didn't try to connect them enough and here i think you're just trying to connect them too fucking much i mean it leaves no mystery to the rest of the film like the whole idea that with Packard's gang is they don't know who this quote-unquote Rafe is that's slowly taking them all out. 
And here, we're giving the audience the fucking clue right there and then. We're telling them, hey, man, he's the fucking protagonist of this film, and he's the fucking dead brother. And nobody's going to figure this out until the end of the fucking movie, except for the audience. So, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do something like this, unless it was something that was added later on. And also, it's a very awkward fucking sex scene that they're showing here. That you don't really see any... I would say boob, because uh, <laughs> that's all I'm kind of interested in, I guess, in this scene, and you can call me a pig or whatever the fuck you want to, but honestly, I'm like, I'm a little bored right now, and oh, hey, who has sex with his fucking jeans on, or those weird underwear, and she's still wearing her panties or whatever, and then, especially when later on, when they're saying when whoever interrupted this scene, which we see seems to be people from Packard's fucking gang, uh, that they were having sex or just finished having sex. And how do you finish having sex with your fucking underwear on? Makes no fucking sense. You gotta take... Unless you're gonna... Again, isn't this the second time I've fucking talked about this? I know I've talked about this on another fucking podcast where people were fucking with underwear on. I understand maybe for the scene, for the movie scene, you do it like that, okay? You put, you know, you don't have to just put on the cock sock and go through the whole motions and everything like that so that way people's genitals don't touch or you don't accidentally slip it in but in a real life situation especially on those underwear there's not a good enough d-door to fucking slip your cock out and stick it into her i get it some people they love the feeling of having like the panties pushed to the side and you're just going to town and going in there it can be fucking hot i get it but not for the dude, okay? Like, it's very uncomfortable, especially with a pair of fucking tidy whities Boxers, totally get it. Because they are loose as fuck, and you can just flop out without even fucking know about it at, at any time. When you're just fucking walking around the house in your boxers, and whoop, my dick's out. It's just the way that it is. Uh, but with those tight-ass fucking, like, underwear... I mean, I think it's giving him a fucking wedgie as we're watching the fucking scene. There's no way that he's going to be able to use the D-door or even, like, fucking push it to the side, flop it out to push hers to the side. Like, you're going to create so much goddamn friction in between the two pairs of underwear, you might fucking light her pubes on fire if she has any. And if you don't light her pubes on fire, yours are going to be the one that are on fire. It just, logistically, this scene makes no sense in that regard. So from here, we go back up to the top of the dam area, and we see that Packer is walking in on Skank and Gutter Boy. <sighs> I hate these names so much. Like, it makes no sense. And Skank is just so we Okay, Skank maybe... <laughs> this is so difficult, because who's the weirder one, right? Is it Gutter Boy, but the, with his, like, random stutterings and his... Skank. Like, or is it fucking Skank with his, like, huffing, drinking of all things fucking car-like fluids? Like, motor oil sniffing, windshield wiper drinking antifreeze drinking i swear that he drank like regular fucking oil i think it might have been like 50 w20 or some shit like that which i could be fucking wrong maybe they don't have that or they didn't have that in the 80s but fucking a like he's constantly drinking or imbibing or doing something with some type of motor fluid so they're busy talking in the car and then of course here comes packard to interrupt whatever they were doing and 
there's a phrase at the beginning of this. I wasn't going to capture the whole thing. I was only going to talk about the Packer thing. But I want you to explain to me what the fuck Skank is talking about in the beginning of this conversation. A lot of duck butter out at the lake today, Pack. <laughs> Quiff City, here I come. See that guy over there? The one with Billy Hankins? What about him? Looks like a dork to me. <laughs> a lot of dorks going around these days, gang. Whole town seething with him. He's crawling out of the woodwork. Oh, shut up. Okay. Joyce, that motorbike over there. You see him or Billy around Kerry? I want to know about it. Aw, oh, shit. Pack, I'd rather be working on the car than... We do things my way, skank. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I know that's easy for you to forget with your brain turning to mush and all. <laughs> Actually, my brain's functioning A-OK, -okay, dude. It's just my, you know... So let's just do things my way, huh? Before I have to cut another ring hole in this flap you call your ear. <laughs> okay, hey. We'll remind the cog stacker. Okay, so what the fuck is duck butter? There's lots of duck butter out there. I am not going to look that up, by the way. And if you guys want to fucking tell me what it is, you can tweet at me or whatever. And But I did not want to look up because I was afraid that the current version of what duck butter actually is is probably something really fucking disgusting okay it's probably some type of like jizz milkshake or something like that that you'd find on a porno set though i'm not sure on porno sets if those are readily available be weird if it was right like all of a sudden you went over there and then like all right one jizz milkshake coming up like ew Ugh. but <laughs> he basically from this context he's saying it's the women that are out there there's lots of i guess hot women out there that's what the duck butter is i still don't fucking know so he wants to understand who this guy is who this jake guy is right because he saw him talking with his his quote-unquote girl and may, wants to make sure that him and gutter boy totally take care of you know if he sees them together or does whatever basically keep a watch on carrie make sure carrie doesn't do anything that she likes uh or anybody that she likes maybe i guess is the better way to say it so that we go back over into the dam and we see that Carrie and Jake are actually talking in what seems like the shittiest lazy river in the world. And they're just kind of floating along on top of two uh, inflatables. And they're chatting of uh, kind of everything that's, you know, basically she's kind of hitting on him in a very weird and awkward way. Billy Hankins a friend of yours? Yeah, sort of. Carrie! I better go now. Don't go because of me. Not because of you. It's because of him. You don't know him. Carrie! You know, if you want to come by some night... Yeah? I mean, after work, I'll be there. Well, so will I then. Okay. Thing is, uh, where's work? Big K's Burgers. Big K's Burgers. Yeah. All right. Okay. 
So I guess he doesn't have to make the first move because she's totally willing to just make the first moves all the goddamn time. She's so afraid of fucking... Uh, and, and it's funny because originally I thought his name was Patrick. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh man, wouldn't it be odd if I just had to keep saying Patrick's name over and over and over and over and over again? But then, of course, I figured out it was Packard. And oddly enough, it was towards like the end of the fucking movie. So it was... It's just kind of an odd situation when I put Patrick in that situation versus putting uh, Packard in there. So Packard, of course, tries to get them all together. And I guess she works up there on the hill at this burger joint where we go to next. The place is kind of like one of those old, like, well, if you have to compare it to something nowadays, I would say like a Sonic, right? If you've ever been to one of those before, where you sit in your car, you order, and then they bring it out to you on roller skates. Except for here, everybody is basically scantily clad with a shirt that's cut halfway up their belly and some of them not wearing a bra. So it's constantly cold out there because the high beams are on all the time. And there's probably a lot of guys that are sitting in their car losing their batteries, if you catch my drift. So, the person that runs this place is Billy, and he says that he works there, but honestly, I don't see anybody else but him inside fucking cooking all the goddamn time, and it seems to be really, really fucking packed. Carrie is one of his employees, or one of the people that he works with. See, I never really know, because again, like I said, he seems to be the only one that truly runs everything in this place. Well, she works this place... And he's going to take her home and is confronted by Patrick once again because, you know, Packard doesn't want anybody to fuck around with Carrie, even if it's just to drive her home from work. You see that Billy, you know, that's Jamie's brother. Well, used to be his brother. He's now dead in the ground with the fucking worms. But I think there's kind of a little more of an animosity between them because of that fact, as Jamie seems to be the only person that was ever able to get inside Carrie's pants, and at this moment, Packard is not going to be able to fucking do that. Um, I'm going to apologize now, because I am having the worst fucking time not saying Patrick. If I say Patrick, or I've said Patrick instead of Packard, um, just fucking roll with it. It's meant to be Packard, but I may say Patrick, so... We'll have to see what happens here, because you don't know how many times I've had to stop this fucking thing and go back and race and keep going, because my notes all say fucking Patrick instead of saying fucking Packard! (sighs) Anyway, so he challenges poor Billy to a race, basically take away Billy's car, which means that would be his livelihood, and he would never have to drive Carrie home ever fucking again. And when he fucking almost gets him to do it, who shows up but the Wraith? And this is the first time we get to see his car. Now, this is probably the second coolest thing in this movie for the time. You see, the car that's featured in this film is a Dodge M4S Turbo Interceptor. uh, And it was a pace car that was built by Chrysler and PPG Industries. Six copies were made for use in the original film. Two stunt cars made from molds of the original car and four non-drivable dummies that were destroyed during the filming. And during production, the real Dodge Turbo Interceptor was used in close-ups. And they actually have the original. It's located at the Walter P. Chrysler Museum in Auburn Hills. Now, see, I'm actually prepared with that information this time, and I am reading from something. But it is really cool because this car is kind of a -a one-of-a-kind car that was used specifically in this film and as a pace car. So, 
you get really cool close-ups of it, but it's obvious when the car is driving out on the road that it's not quite real. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Like, it seems like the outer chassis, like, moves a little too much. So, it, we we get really cool close-ups of the car, and nobody kind of knows what it is. And even when Raghead first looks at the car, he's like, I don't know what it is, but if we can fucking win it, then we can figure out what it is. And it was kind of interesting that it was used primarily for this film, uh, as I don't know if this would be the film that you'd want to fucking promote this type of car with. So, hey, it still looks nice, and it's one of the finer points of the film. So... They follow the car out because he's basically kind of challenging them to a race. And this time, it's one of the people in the gang. There's a guy named Augie. And see, Augie was actually trying to rip the eyeballs out of Billy's skull. But Packard stepped in just in time with a knife to stop Augie from doing anything. So when he gets up to the line, he basically wants to kind of be the one to take over the car. And of course, Packard gives him his okay. Why don't you tear this guy a new asshole? Do it to him Augie style. I'll burn this Irene. Okay, the first to Rattlers Crossing wins! You lose the race! You lose your car! Agreed? You stay on your side of the road, man. Okay, let's get it on! Send them off. Say what? I said send them off! Take the Willow River cutoff! Ready? Okay, first thing here, there is no audible yes to say that he agreed. I get it. He read the engine, and i that's probably enough to say, yeah, okay, I'm all right with the rules. But before he made the guy actually kind of say yes, uh, the other thing is, why does Raghead here, why does he have to be the, like, starter babe? Right? Why couldn't there have been some like kind of cute chick that was maybe a little demented that rolled with the gang that was kind of like they could have created a whole new type of conflict in this film where there was somebody that was totally into Packard and Packard was so obsessed with Carrie that he's like, oh, I don't want anything to do with you. But she was like trying to get Carrie kicked out or something like that. And then Carrie could have had a badass scene where she kicked her ass and but. No, there's none of that. Or one of the other stupid people could have had a fucking girl. Or they could have just had a girl that liked to hang out with them that at least could be the one that throws the rag down all the fucking time. Instead of getting Raghead out there, him bending over, fucking squishing his movies together with his fucking handkerchief, and then dropping the flag. Why? 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 You have all this other fucking, like... TNA showing up when you're over in the swimming area and everybody's fucking in bikinis and you're just fucking focusing around there. You do have some T and A later in the film. Why can't you have somebody with the gang that's just there to be like the hot chick in all these like racing movies that just like throws down the flag or fucking has a fucking flag on a stick that she waves back and forth or drops her fucking top for them to go, which distracts the other driver and fucking Charlie Sheen sitting in his car. I'm like, man, those are some nice ass titties. And then he loses the race that way. Why couldn't you do something like that? But instead, we have to have Raghead here looking like he's fucking from Reanimator or some shit dropping not even dropping it but like just moving it down and then like scurrying towards the camera all weird and shit like it's something that you have to see to actually believe what goes on there so 
they go ahead and we start following them as they're doing the chase, right? So the race is going on, and it's actually kind of entertaining and exciting. The only thing that's really weird is that I felt that one time we're inside Augie's car, and he goes to shift into another gear, but it looks like he's a like has an automatic like he's just going from like one to two and that's it instead of shifting from like gear five to gear six to get that extra boost of speed or hitting a button and fucking hit that nos or or whatever the fuck it is like it's really weird i I don't know why they did it so eventually they run by some cops and the cops begin chasing them and it seems like the wraith is losing okay and then all of a sudden it's speeds up out of nowhere like zooms past like he hit the fucking button and then all of a sudden you know you have that weird fast moving like film stock uh, it's hard to explain it happened a lot in like 80s movies where they wanted like or like batman from uh fucking adam west days when all of a sudden they sped stuff up and they just sped the the film up and so it looks unnatural that it's moving that fast. That's what happens here, and the wraith goes on in the distance. At that point, you've lost the race. I understand the cops are behind you, but wouldn't you just fucking stop? But no, he doesn't want to stop. He wants to keep going. And what happens is that as he's going up the mountainside, all of a sudden in the middle of the road, the wraith is completely covering the damn road, and he just runs right through it. Like, he doesn't hit the brakes, he doesn't try to swerve off to the left or swerve off to the right. No, he just runs right through it and it fucking explodes. And his car is perfectly fine until it flies off the cliff and then rolls down the hill for way too fucking long. We see the cops all of a sudden show up now that the wraith has been destroyed. Oh, but wait, it hasn't been destroyed because it comes back magically and drives off. The cops call on sheriff loomis to come and investigate the scene and that's when we get to meet randy quaid for the first time in this film as sheriff loomis i've been waiting to catch you guys in the act been waiting and watching congratulations you caught us talking there's no law against that is there officer unless of course i got my wires crossed and you caught us speaking without a clam it wise guy There's a dead kid three miles up the highway. Yeah, that's right, dead. Run off the highway and killed. Okay, so the guy was run off the highway, and that's one of their friends, right? Augie, somebody that's in the gang. And Packard here, he has no expression on his goddamn face. Like, he's just like, oh well, fucking died. And it's just weird. But that's the way that he always is. He acts exactly the same and makes him such a... Now he's a psychotic fucking creepo. So before they're all let go, Loomis gets called over to basically the back of the ambulance that randomly pulls up. Like, if the kid was in an ambulance, wouldn't you just rush him to the hospital and then deal with it when it got there? But no, there's something weird about the kid because they think that he possibly would have, you know, evaporated in the fucking explosion or at least been thrown from the car. But instead, the kid looks like he's fucking turned emo. Oh, that's ugly, God. Kid ought to be dog meat. Wait a minute. Yeah, Loomis. This kid smashed down a canyon through fire and busting glass. Must have been a thousand degrees in that car. Uh-huh, at least. Where's his eyes? Sent cats climbing up my spine when I saw him hauling this carps out of that canyon. Clean, as if he'd come out of a hot tub. 
I'm worried, Loomis. Something ain't right. Well, get him into town and box him up. I've still got a few rocks to turn over up here. Meanwhile, the wraith is just sitting up on top of the hill, right? And one of the appendages or weird medical things that are attached to his body have suddenly disappeared off of it now that he's killed. Kind of like he has... Or, like, if you watch those old Looney Tunes cartoons where they'd have somebody that, say, runs down somebody with a car, and then on the side of it, they'd stamp the the next person that they've killed. But instead, now that he's killed one, he's losing one of these, like, medical appendages instead. There's a lot of fan theories out there for what they are, but it's kind of like putting him whole again now that he's killed everybody. That's kind of the way that I see it, too. Like, he's been crippled. He's not able to, you know, be the man that he was before. But as he kills every member of Packard's gang, he slowly becomes himself once again, though he'll always look like fucking Charlie Sheen. Which, you know what, during this time period, I'd be okay with, like, if I came back to look as Charlie Sheen. Like, the person that probably would be me the closest would be, like, I don't know, George Lopez? Maybe. Uh, Probably not. Maybe I'd get more of, like, a, you know... Paul Rodriguez or something like that. I don't fucking know. I doubt it. I'm pretty sure that somebody's going to tell me, oh, if you were to come back as some famous like Latino-looking guy, you'd probably look like this. And uh, I'm probably going to get some really wrong responses at the same time. But you know what? Fuck it. They're probably going to make me laugh, so I'm cool with it. So it's kind of an odd situation that you've got going on here. You've got this kid now who should have burnt up in a fire, and instead he's basically got black and gray paint on his face and his eyes have been torn out of his head and the make was kind of shitty to be honest because it definitely looks like he just has his eyes closed and they just took black eye paint and just tried to make it as black as possible so it doesn't look like he's actually closing his eyes or anything like that but it looks like he's got his eyes closed with black paint over it so good good job good job So we leave the scene of this crime, and we go and we see the chop shop where Packard's gang basically takes apart the cars that they, quote-unquote, legally win every night when they race people. And it's kind of a weird situation again, because Augie's died, and fucking Packard is just there, like, barking orders like he normally does, and doesn't really give a shit that somebody from his team is gone. He basically kind of seems like... He just views them as expendable parts of his cog, right? Whoever is there does their job, and if they're gone, there's somebody else that's eventually going to replace them. So the entire time that they're talking about the fact that he's gone, he's just like, huh, everybody looks happy, everybody looks like they're just doing what they need to do, and who gives a fuck if Augie fucking died or not? Nobody in this party does. So... As they're basically talking, they get visited by the Wraith. And this is with him, like, outside of his car in the weird suit. He... I don't know about this outfit, to be honest with you. It's just very weird. Like, it looks like a driving guy. And like I said, he's got the weird, like, uh, crutches-type things attached to his body. And... He's got him in different spots, but he also kind of is trying to like look like the Giver, right? He's got his weird fucking shotgun that he's bringing, and Packard, he's like, you don't want to fire that thing in here because there's like 
ethanol and shit that'll blow up. But of course he fires it anyway. He destroys like every one of their cars. Like this gun is fucking ridiculous. Like it's just blowing holes into the fucking hoods of every car and somehow getting underneath so it can blow the hood up. Like it's ridiculous. He's got like a setting on there that's, you know, invisible grenade or some shit. So he fires, makes the hole, fires the original grenade inside the hole and then it blows up the top of it. I don't know how he does it. And of course, at the end of it, they want to know a little more exactly who he is. Where'd he go? Skank, you pussy. Hey! Yeah. Who is that guy? I don't know. But whoever he was, he's weird and pissed off. Well, I mean, if you guys had done anything to me in the past, like kill me or some shit like that, and I was coming back for revenge, of course I'd be fucking pissed off and I'd blow up everything that you fucking loved and owned. In fact, I'd probably just take that shotgun right there and then and fucking kill all of you. Why do I need to go in there and first fucking piss you off by blowing up your cars? Why don't I just blow you guys the fuck up? It makes no sense. Do you want to just slowly take everybody out one by one? Is that the whole fucking plot of your plan that seems really fucking ridiculous if you ask me so after this car massacre that happens by the wraith we go over and we see that sheriff loomis is visiting one of the airplane junkyards that skank and Gutterboy happen to live in well or work in i guess i'm not sure which it is but there may be related to the guy that's working on the planes up front or collecting scrap from the planes this is where he wants to find out some more information on who the guy that Augie was racing because of course you know they're not the brightest in the bunch and they may actually be able to spill something about who the guy is of course skank is a little smarter than he seems to be and kind of just has an i'd say awkward conversation with sheriff loomis morning fellas yo skank it's a nice place you got here skank is gonna help you been working here long Man, I smell a cop. You smell a cop? Well, I smell french fries, skank, but that don't make no sense, huh? <laughs> Bud, you got a warrant. I don't need a warrant when I have this badge. Well, we know our constipational rights, sir, and you can't just come in here and... Oh, wow! <laughs> I got this problem, fellas. Augie Fisher, your buddy who got greased... I want to know who was driving the car that ran him into Kingdom Come. Nobody's seen that guy before. He hit me in the head again, skank. Okay. I can't remember dog squeeze when it comes to getting run off the roads there, Loomis. I can see why, skank. Um, I can call you skank, can I? Yeah. Unless you like Maurice better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you listen good, skank. I know it's going to be hard with your melon on chemical overload. But there's a killer out there, and I'm going to track the hairball down. So when you two crater heads get finished mining for nose gold and you get a relapse of memory, you let me know, huh? I'm just a phone call away. So Sheriff Loomis here, he leaves the guys, and of course they go back over to the Big Burger spot. It seems like there's only a couple of sets in this film, to be honest with you. That airplane graveyard or whatever looking thing is one of them. The highway is another one of them. And then this burger joint is the other. It seems like this is the only place. Oh, I also forgot the chop shop, which is another spot. 
That's all. This movie takes place in four fucking areas of Arizona. Like, that's great. And I hear that they built this burger place, too. Like, it didn't exist anywhere. They built it from the ground up and then tore it down after they were done. It had working fucking griddle in the back. They could have made a ton of money from this place, especially if it was as busy as it looked like in the film. Maybe they just didn't want to have it hanging over the edge of a cliff. I don't fucking know. But we're back at the burger place, and... Packard's gang has all got together because they want to figure out where this guy with this super sweet car actually is. So where is he, Tuna Can? Dude, we couldn't find a slime ball anywhere. Yeah, we went across town, down the Crawford Gully, and we stopped for a, a box of goobers. You guys are pissing me off. I want that faggot. Yeah, this freaks into us for about 13000 bucks. We spent all last night banging on them two bodies. I got, I got scabs on my knuckles and everything like that. It's your damn job, gutter boy. What's he got with us? What he's got is an ass full of trouble. Yeah, it's about time we get into somebody's ass, huh? <laughs> we'll be him like a red-headed stepchild. I'm gonna knock his ass lower than whale shit. Where does he go? I don't know. But I'm gonna find that son of a bitch. Hey, Carrie! I'll pick you up later tonight, so do yourself a favor and be here. That is one of the best pickup lines in the entire fucking movie. I'm going to be back later tonight, so you make sure you be here. Like, how ridiculous is that? Like, is she really going to listen to him and obey? Probably not, because she's got Charlie Sheen boner on the brain. And, hey, I would rather have him than Packer, too. But the Wraith has shown up. And so they decide to pull him off to the side and try the race once again. This time, one of the other guys, he's going to be the one to jump in the car. We see that, like, they're going to put that thing that Raghead has been working on, which basically would cut the car out uh, when it drives out of the distance. So if he wins and he runs away or he loses and he tries to run away, then they'll cut the engine off on the car. And so when they open up the hood, we look inside of the car and then we see... Like, the car has a beating heart? Like, the engine is the heart of the car? Like, is he the car? Like, is all of a sudden this now turned into fucking Turbo Teen? You remember, that was an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon where the kid turned into a fucking car. Okay, so now is Jamie the fucking car? Is Jamie Jake the Wraith, whatever the fuck you want to call him, the car too? Though we have seen a driver kind of in there. Like... What the hell is going on here? I don't quite get this. Like, why Why do we need to see him having, like, a heart inside of the hood of the damn car? Well, so, after he places the thing inside of the Wraith, or the Interceptor, whatever the fuck it is, uh, him and the other dude, they begin to have the race. And we see some of the same stock footage that they used before, including the same fucking car they passed and the first time they did. It's the same goddamn car. It's like a red Corolla. It's just in the street and they go around it and they showed that before in the first fucking chase. How lazy do you have to be to use the same fucking footage with that same fucking car? I don't care if you use the same road footage where you had the camera on the road and you're driving around really fast. You can splice it together. You're using the same pathway. So I kind of that but here it's the same fucking car like it's on the right side of the road the other guy had to pass it in the same way and this guy has to pass it in the same way it makes no goddamn sense 
Well, eventually, the wraith does pass in front of him and does cause him to crash into something else. After it explodes, he crashes into the side of the wall, therefore killing the next kid. But he also gets caught by the cops. The cops try to corner him on a bridge, and then he ends up actually running so fast that he breaks through the two cop cars that are acting like a barrier and drives away off into the sunset and disappears. The cops are left perplexed of what exactly happened, and then we cut over to the burger place during the nighttime. Billy and Carrie have gotten off of work. Billy wants to know if everything's alright with her and whether he can give her a ride home. She says, no, I'll be fine. And Billy's like, shoo, I don't want to get my ass beat, so I'm just going to leave you here by yourself. Uh, out of the middle of nowhere, that's when Charlie Sheen pops up. And we have it's literally been since minute, I don't know, 10 in the movie. It was the last time that we saw him. And now it's almost an hour into the movie, and he's back finally. <laughs> he's back to pick up Carrie, and they drive off. Again, like he's barely in this film. This film has been focused on Packard. You could say that technically he has if you think about the character being the Wraith. So Jake slash the Wraith has been in this film, but Charlie Sheen, the main actor, has not been in this film for almost the entire film. And there's truly only like a half hour left of this movie to go, and we're at like 55 minutes in. So they go out i guess on a romantic motorcycle ride and they're seen by skank and gutter boy and of course not trying to get in trouble with packard they decide that hey they need to follow them and chase them down skank has the great idea of knocking them off the road so that they can get rid of poor old jake but gutter boy doesn't really like the idea of hurting carrie at the same time because that's going to get them in trouble with packard Heading toward the park, gang. Yeah? What'd you say we run this little bastard down to make his teeth bleed, huh? <laughs> well, what about the girl, gang? We can't just grab the shotgun, Mama Luca. The shotgun! I don't know nothing about no shotgun! Just grab the goddamn I gun, man! Gun. Oh, gang. I gun! I would take the shotgun! Grab it! Load it, man! Load it! What are you doing? Where's the bullets? Where's the bullets? I got the bullet! We'll load it, man! Come on, hurry! So they continue to chase after them, and eventually Gutter Boy, he's told to shoot at them, but he shoots the bottom of the car. Like, he shoots the bottom area uh, of the passenger side of the car, which for some reason causes the steering to go out on the car. I don't know how he's able to shoot the steering column or the steering fluid or whatever the fuck controls it. It's pretty bad design, honestly. If it's underneath the passenger side and not underneath the driver's side, like everything being there in the same area, uh, that he's able to do that. And this causes them to go out of control. My favorite part in this whole chase scene, and probably one of my favorite parts in this movie, just because how ridiculous it is, is the fact that they say... He, he when he's going after them and i'm still i i don't i didn't pull the clip because it's i i feel like you have to watch it to really get it because gank is about to catch up to them and he tells them kiss your ass goodbye and then he crashes like the car flips it's so ridiculous like <laughs> 
It still makes me fucking laugh. I had to stop and I kept laughing for a good 10 minutes. Because it's so ridiculous. He literally is like, I can't control the car very well. And because the steering's basically out. Then he's like, he's about to catch a kiss your ass goodbye. And then it's literally turn the corner and boom. (laughs) There's nothing else that happens. There isn't like special rake powers that go or or he turns the corner really sharply. He literally gets kiss your ass and then they're crashing. They're crashing and that, I'm like, is that how Skank and Gutterboy go out? I mean, Carrie and Jake, they get away, which of course, you know, if you want them to be like the star-crossed lovers or something like that, you want them to get away, right? But at the same time, I don't know why we have to have these like super inept guys that are following after them that all of a sudden they're just going to fucking crash and burn when they say kiss your ass goodbye. It's so ridiculous. So they do get away and it's not the end of Skank and Gutterboy because surprisingly enough, they're able to walk out of the crash. I tried to warn you, Skank. I said you have to drive so fast and use a gun. I can't shoot no gun. Shut up, gunner boy. I gotta think, man. This is what I do best. That's right, Skanko. That's what you do best. Your packer told us to keep an eye on this girl. Jesus, this shit's got some kick. We almost killed this girl. We're dead meat now, skank. You listen to me. Now, she's never going to think, man. Now, the bitch was with that dork, and she's as scared of Packard as anybody. You hear me? And we don't know what he was told. Too bad about the coolest, skank. What is it, tit car? Jesus, this shit's got some kick. <laughs> Okay, so in that scene, Skank is huffing WD-40. It's ridiculous. Like, he's gone from drinking hydraulic fluid and Windex, basically, to fucking huffing and spraying the oil up his fucking nose. And he's like, man, this stuff's got a kick. Like, what? Are there varying degrees of sprayable oil that you can put up your nose so they have different kicks? Like... You know, is it different from snorting heroin to snorting cocaine or, you know, hitting a joint? Is it something different? Or putting, like, you know, hashish inside of a a joint or putting a little angel dust? Is that what this is to you? Like, how ridiculous is this? And then they're like, okay, I get it. She's probably more afraid of Packard than they are. So, of course, she's not really going to say anything. At the same time, you fucking wrecked your car because why because you couldn't control it and you're taking it too fast like it it kind of sucks gutter boy's kind of got a point there and i think the way that it kind of needs to go for skank is that you just don't say anything like who cares uh okay no we never saw them or anything like that but who knows what's gonna happen we then see uh jake he's dropping off carrie over at her house And he basically ends up kissing her because they're so in love already. It's ridiculous and amazing. And she doesn't realize that he's Jamie yet. But they do have kind of a heartfelt conversation. And I really want you to answer this question and think about it while you're listening to this clip. And the only reason I'm playing this clip is because I really want to know who's phoning it in more here. 
Charlie Sheen, or the actress playing Carrie? Look, Jake, if Packer knew I was here with you, I mean, people are afraid of him for a reason. People are afraid because guys like Packard prey on fear and weakness. Well, I just think he's crazy. Try and be brave against Packard and he might kill you. Or he might let you go. Courage isn't easy to come by. That's how he keeps those goons with him all the time. They're just scared. So am I. Carrie, listen. There's going to come a time when you'll have to take a stand. When you do that, that's when you free yourself up. No sooner. I want to believe you. I really do. Good night. All right, the votes are now in, and the tallies have been done. Let's find out who phoned it in, and the answer is... it's charlie sheen he phoned it in more because she is just acting the same the entire fucking movie there is no other way to describe it in this film it's so goddamn bad like he's there probably one day to do all the scenes maybe two this is the day that you do all your morning shots. This is the day that you do all your night shots. He's trying a little bit, but he's truly phoning in this performance. Like, it's so ridiculous that he even has to fucking act like this. It's, oh, I just, I, I want to shoot myself. It's so bad. Like, how could you just do it in this film? Like, why did you just not decide that, hey, if you did have something else that you needed to do, just tell them, hey, you know what, um, I'm going to do it unless you are contractually obligated to do it, and then that's why you're phoning it in, because you're saving your piece de resistance for performance for the other film, and not this one. So you have somebody that is terrible that you're acting with, and you have to act with her in this movie uh so why not just fucking do it i mean packard himself the actor playing him eh, i'd say it's a 50 50 in terms of kind of phoning it in but he could be just a new actor and you know what he's kind of playing the role as an asshole creeper perfectly well i don't think he's overdo it i don't think he's underdoing it but honestly Charlie Sheen, he's in it for so little that it's literally feels like these are the first takes and they just fucking took him. So, you've only got me for six hours a day and you've got me for four hours tomorrow. We better get these scenes fucking knocked out. And if I fuck up, oh well, who cares? I'm just here to do the movie. So, Packard, meanwhile, during that whole exchange, he's actually watching them in the background. And so, as soon as Jake starts driving off... Uh, he follows after him, and he runs into Skank and Gutter Boy. Hey, asshole. Come here. Come here. Skank, you look like shit. Why are you walking? Had a little, uh, problem with the Cuda, Packard. Uh-huh. Kid in a bike just came by here. You see him? No, we ain't seen nothing all night. The motorbike with Carrie on it or nothing, Pack. You're pissing me off. Get in. Holy shit, it's that kid! 
And that's when the wraith backs right into him. Well, drives right into his back and knocks him into a cemetery and places him right in front of a gravestone that says his name on it. And of course, he tells Skank, you gotta go after him, shoot him, and then when the because the wraith is there in his human form in that weird outfit which also lost another one of those crutch type things on his body when he killed the other guy and skank and gutter boy basically skank pulls out the shotgun that he was using from before tries to fire it gets flown back and the butt of the shotgun is completely busted open they don't understand how he was able to do that and they kind of freak out but packard he's not really scared or at least he doesn't show any emotion but he doesn't show any emotion entirely in the film so the wraith he runs away after he's kind of done the damage that he's done and we go over to the next morning where sheriff loomis he's walking into the chop shop and he's basically coming in to take uh poor old packard to well to the sheriff's office to do some questioning for him we walk in on them and we see that packard as much as he fucking loves carrie he's trying to or i guess he's banging uh some random girl that's there and she looks like the girl from the beginning of the movie the blonde that we saw with the guy in the car that was you know he was uh, all like george don't do it you know type of thing and it's weird because the way that the scene goes at the end of it i don't know if she's saying thank you for and i cut that part out by the way uh but like it seems like there's it's being interrupted right by loomis and i don't know if it's being interrupted like in a way that she's like saying thank you because he was forcing himself on her and she doesn't want it or like because he ends up throwing her his her shirt um I I don't know. They kind of make it feel like it could be either way, to be honest with you. And I'm kind of leaning towards the second one after I've gone through it for the second time. But on first impression, I felt really felt like she was saying thank you for getting him away from her because she didn't want, you know, to do anything with him. But she was going to give in to him anyway because this is Packard, right? So we see that Sheriff Loomis here, he interrupts, of course, the sex too that possibly was going to be happening was going to be happening with him having jeans on. And just like in the beginning, how the fuck are you going to fuck somebody with jeans on? Unless you ain't got nothing underneath those jeans, then okay. But if you're going (laughs) to, if you're just going to open up the zipper and stick your dick out, you're going to have a bad time, right? Again, like these sex scenes, they don't want to show anything on the guys, but they're okay with showing tits in this situation. And the fact that she's got some scantily clad type of underwear on. Uh, So Loomis interrupts the quote-unquote sex that he's having with this girl, even though he loves Carrie so much. But she is just kind of like an object that he can control so he can do whatever the fuck he wants. You know, it's the same fucking stereotype type of bad guy in this situation. But anyway, so he erupts and he basically tells uh, Packard here that he's going to be taking him to the Hooskow. Loomis, what the hell are you doing here? You got a minute? You gotta be out of your mind barging in here like this. I got this problem. Downtown. I'm not going anywhere, guy. This is a warrant I got here, cockroach. Now move. On your feet, buddy, now. Oh, that sounds important. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. See you in the squad car. So he takes him down to the station, 
and we cut over and we see that Carrie and Jake, they're having a nice day together out and about back, I think, at the dam. That's the other location that they film out. And this is one of those ones where it seems like maybe they're at like a hot spring area or something like that. But he says the water takes a little while to get used to, yada, yada, yada. And so this is where we get possibly the best acting performance in the entire film from the actress that plays Carrie. Want to know something? What? Couldn't sleep at all last night. I had strange dreams. What kind of dreams? I dreamed that the man in the moon was laughing at me. He tends to laugh all the time. Did you ever notice that? (laughs) Then I was headed east on the back of a motorcycle. And the driver was Jamie Hankins. What's strange is that Jamie's dead. Yeah, I know. Billy told me. You know, Jamie was a lot like you. That could account for the dream, I guess. I like you. I love the ending of that, don't you? I like you. And then they start kissing. And it is the most awkward fucking kissing I have ever seen. Have you ever seen The Lake House? I know, this is a totally different movie and a totally different type of thing. But at the end of that, when Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock finally like meet each other at the end of it, they have the most awkward fucking kiss in like cinema history. A lot of people say it's probably the worst on-screen kiss that anybody has ever seen. I dare them. Dare them to compare it to this one because this is to me the most awkward fucking kiss like it looks like at times she's not really even kissing charlie sheen she's fucking like kissing some random other guy and they're focusing more on her kissing and her tongue is just doing some weird fucking shit like it's out of her mouth and not in it and like like she's never fucking tongued anybody before or that the director was like okay we need to make this really fucking sexy and the fact that she just pulls down one of the straps of the top of her one piece swimsuit to plop a tit out and before doing this is really ridiculous as well but the fact of the matter is it's just like he's like all right we got one titty out and we need to have that kiss it needs to be more more sexual because that titty it's just not gonna do enough you know what we need we need to make sure it looks like you're licking the top of his mouth yeah maybe lick those front teeth and and really like show your tongue as you go and kissing it oh you know i've never really did this type of kissing on screen before don't worry it's gonna look great you're gonna get a ton of rolls after this if you just kiss this guy in the way that i said in the back of my mind that i think is sexy and it's like not really at all it's really fucking laughable like i i don't know like who who does that really if you're like falling for this guy i mean everybody's had an awkward kiss before or somebody that doesn't kiss well you know if you've never had it you're the fucking one that is the awkward kisser okay and you know exactly who i'm speaking to 
You know who I'm speaking to. So from this lovely scene here in this romantic and not really sexy scene, we go back over to the police station. We see that Loomis has captured everybody that's remaining of Packard's gang, and he explains that the two people have been killed, and nobody really gives a shit. Well, Packard seems to be the only one that gives a shit, because he wants to make sure that if these people are going to go after the guy that's killed their friends, that it's... They leave the law into the law's hands and try not to take it into their own hands. Though he has figured out that it's only them that this person is really targeting. Ain't you got in the air in this joint? And your friend Minty? Well, he was maggot pie before the car exploded. Excuse me. Um... Is it true that his eyeballs was all sucked out of his sockets and everything? Yeah. He's just like Augie. Not a mark on him. We pulled the poor bastard from the fire cold in his own sauce. Almost gives me the willies just talking about it. So before I nail you bastards to the wall, I'm going to give you a chance to cooperate. We'll do anything. Hey, shut up. Look, Loomis, we ain't done nothing illegal except maybe bust the speed limit. So why don't you give us all a break and let us get the hell out of here? You listen to me, you son of a bitch. There's a kid out there using his car to kill people. Not that it's such a big deal since it seems to be your gang he's got it in for. So, if you guys try to take the law into your own hands... And that killer turns up dead. I'm gonna see you all sniffing cyanide in the Arizona gas chamber. Okay, so he lets them go because he basically just wants them to know that hey, if you're gonna want be the one going out there killing them, you're gonna get in as much trouble taking revenge on everybody else. But he also seems at the same time that it's kind of like, hey. There's something behind him that feels like, hey, it's okay that he's only targeting you guys at the same time. So they go back over to the chop shop, and basically, uh, Packard is telling them, hey, you guys need to make sure that you're, you know, you're aware of everything's going on. I'm going to go and get Carrie and and yada, 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 because he's still really obsessed with her. And everybody is, you know, Skank and Gutter Boy, they keep working, doing what they're supposed to do. And Raghead, he decides that, hey, you know what? I'm getting the fuck out of here. What are you guys doing? We're gonna go screw around. What, you wanna come? <laughs> no. Are you going on a vacation or something? I'm taking my blueprints and I'm leaving. Yeah, what for? This gang thing was okay when we had the edge. But now that there's that wraith out there that killed Augie. Oh, what out there, man? A wraith, man! A ghost! An evil spirit, and it ain't cool! I don't know. Except I'm quitting. If I was you guys, I'd quit too. Well, I ain't got no beef against no wraith. Yeah, it's just a damn kid, man. Packard said so. I'm leaving! Too bad! (laughs) Okay, now you know nothing good can come out of this, right? I love the fact that they put that ADR line in there where he's like, I'm leaving! Like, it's not even, like, him... It doesn't feel natural the way that he's saying it there or that it was in part of the conversation. It's just literally like, well, I'm going. 
and he does leave. And when he steps outside, all of a sudden the wraith is out there and drives right past him, drives into the chop shop and kills poor Skank and Gutterboy. I don't think Gutterboy really deserves it. I think he's kind of along for the ride. I think that he's kind of like Raghead in most of the movie. Like, Raghead really didn't want anything to do with what was going on. And as we'll hear in just a second, you know, he really didn't know that it was Jamie inside of the car. And Gutterboy, I feel he's not smart enough to really be involved in the whole, like, plan and everything like that. Whereas Skank, even though he's got his brain fried because he keeps drinking fucking automotive stuff, he still has an understanding and awareness that, hey, this is still fun, and I like doing the bad things, so I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. Like Raghead said in the situation, it was fun when we were just, you know, he got to do his shit, and they got to take cars and tear them apart, and he was making these things, but now that somebody's out there trying to kill him, I don't want to be a part of this shit, and I don't fucking blame him at this point. So poor Skank and Gutterboy, they've been blown to kingdom come, and Raghead is just left there by himself to assist the damages. I honestly thought that since he was the one that was going to be leaving and trying to get away, that he was going to be the one killed next, and surprisingly enough, he's one of the few, and I'm going to ruin this, he's the survivor of the gang, right? And I think it's because of, like he tells Sheriff Loomis, that he really didn't know kind of what was going on. He basically confirms with them that, yeah, they did do this stuff to Jamie, you know, but he didn't know that Jamie was in the back of the car. So when they pushed the car off of a cliff and blew it up with a shotgun, he was surprised that there was a body back there and that that's how Jamie fucking died, which is pretty fucking sad if you ask me. Like, the fact of the matter that he got knocked unconscious, he basically had sex with his girlfriend, got knocked unconscious got thrown to the back of a car and then that was pushed off the cliff and if that wasn't enough they blew it up as it was going over the cliff like who fucking does that who goes and just fucking blows up the damn car as it's gonna fall down and blow up anyway because once it hits the bottom that's it boom this is a movie right i mean maybe it doesn't happen in real life all the time that way but in movies you barely push something off five feet and it fucking explodes so why Michael Bay it right as it's going off the fucking cliff? I don't know, but I guess that's the way to prove that the guy is actually dead. And you're a pretty good shot if you could take a shotgun and hit the fuel line as it's falling down the cliff, especially with the spray that a shotgun normally has. So, Sheriff Loomis, he decides that he's going to go and he's going to talk to Billy because he wants to really connect his brother's death to what's been going on with this Wraith character after talking with Raghead. How you doing, kid? I'm uh, Officer Loomis. Can I have a word with you? What do you need? I'm swamped. Need some information about your brother. That's easy. He's dead. Order up! Yeah, I know. But um, his body never turned up, and now I've got four dead kids in one week. Four? I thought it was two. Skank and Gutter Boy got lunched out at the warehouse. Wow. I figure Packard Walsh is next. Yeah, well, if he is, I'll shake the hand of the guy who does it. Order up! That might be um, impossible. Did your uh, brother have a girl? Well, the night he was killed, he was with Carrie Johnson. Everybody knows that. Somebody busted in and smashed her head. She woke up the next day in a deserted highway somewhere, wrapped in a Navajo blanket. Does she have any idea who did it? Uh, drifters, maybe. Maybe smugglers. 
Maybe Packard Walsh? Who knows? She never knew who did it, or she would have said so. Harry Johnson, huh? Thanks. Order up. Hey, uh, officer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's my brother have to do with four dead guys? I mean, what's the connection? That's what I'm going to find out. Okay, so like any standard cop, uh, Loomis here, he takes a cup of coffee from him and then pours a ridiculous amount of sugar inside the goddamn cup like he's literally holding it there for a good 15 to 20 seconds of it and really that amount of sugar is gonna fuck you up i know okay i got fucked up by that amount of sugar so he basically is slowly piecing everything together like he's realizing that there's something that correlates between the death of billy's brother and fucking you know, everybody that's dying in Packard's gang. And the fact that Raghead also told him that they had something to do with the death of his brother, I think right there and then, he was trying to find out whether or not Billy was actually the one that was involved with the killing. And because he's so busy with the restaurant, I don't think that there's a way that he could actually be that way. Meanwhile, on the outside, Packard shows up, and he basically approaches Carrie after she's been dropped off by Jake. And Jake also has this kind of heart-to-heart with her where he's like, Hey, you know what? You need to, to talk to Packard because you need to break that type of chain with him. And she's just like, No, everybody's afraid of him. He's like, Well, he's only, you know, has power because people are afraid. And once you stand up to him, then he's going to lose his power. And she doesn't believe it's the time to actually stand up to him. And she just wonders also, well, who are you? And he's like, well, Packard knows, so why don't you ask him? And she's like, what? And then he disappears. Packard shows up, and he grabs Carrie, and he's like, look, we're going. And Carrie's like, no, I'm too busy. I'm not going to do anything with you. And he's like, no, bitch, you're going to come with me. So he picks her up and tries to take her away. And that's when Billy finally gets the balls that nobody else has to stand up to Packard. Now, I've kind of split two little clips in here because... I didn't want to only have the two seconds that were at the end with everything else. And basically in between, it was a lot of Billy getting beaten up. So you hear a little bit of him getting beaten up. And then the one line in the film that I fucking said out loud. And then Billy comes up right after it. And he actually says the thing that I was thinking at that time, which I thought was great. And it's kind of great growth for the character. But... Then again, he doesn't do anything after this whole scene happens anyway. Here you go. Anything else? I can't talk now, Packard. I'm busy. Yeah, I've been checking you out past couple of days. You've been real busy. Would you get out of here? I have to work. Nope. What are you doing? Packard, stop it! What are you doing? Stop it! Get in the car. Packard, what the hell are you doing, man? You get out of my face, burger boy. You wind up dead like your brother. You bastard chicken shits! You let him take her! 
Hell yeah, nobody fucking stood up for her. He's the only one that fucking did, and he got his ass fucking beat too to do it. And then everybody's just standing around watching him. Why don't they just fucking jump in? Fucking stop him. There are like 20 of you just fucking standing around there, and you can't take any time. He has nothing on him. He's got no gun. He's got, well, maybe he has his knife, but what the fuck? Why don't you just jump on him and fucking take him out instead of watching him beat the shit out of Billy and drag her off? Even the guy in the fucking car that he was next to, man. He could have easily just opened up the fucking door and slammed him with the door and been like, Yeah, what now, bitch? And then everybody jumping on and fucking smashing his head in and fucking... Just fuck him up. You don't need anything else. Get the revenge that way. And then Carrie could have ran off with fucking Billy or fucking Jake could have come back. And where the fuck is Jake and all of this shit at this time that it just allows him to go and and take her away and what does he want to do he wants her to go with him to California to get out of the state to run away and she finally stands up to him and she finally has a little bit of remembrance of what happened that night after she finished having sex with Jamie with both of them having their fucking underwear on remember that night when you guys found me with Jamie Hankins I don't know what you're talking about. Well, think. When you broke in and we had just finished doing it. (gasps) So it was you. Yeah. I was always with Jamie. I never made any promises to you. You're mine, that's it. I'd go to California with you. I'd rather go to Nogales, have the gutter boys Cretan children, and die than to be with you. You better shut up now, Carrie. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, you can kill me too, Packard. But you can never make me love you. So up comes the wraith from behind them, and he pulls over to let Carrie get out of the car. Because I guess he thinks that he can beat the fucking wraith, but what he doesn't know is that the wraith is just going to fucking kill him. So I don't understand why he just doesn't try to run away from it and get the fuck away from this situation. Instead, he decides that he's got the balls enough to go and try to chase after him. So we do get a little bit more of the stock footage that they used before, but for the most part, we don't see that same fucking car again. Because if I would have seen that car for the third fucking time, in this movie I don't know what I would have done I probably would have lost my fucking mind just like I had to watch them have sex once again with their fucking underwear on at the same fucking time and we had just finished doing it you guys were kind of in the middle of doing it and if you had just finished doing it why would you fucking put your underwear back on wouldn't you just fucking lay there and just enjoy it because hey you know what maybe i want to have sex more than fucking once don't get fucking dressed again or maybe if you had finished it and you guys were just laying there and you're that type of person why wouldn't you have just put on some fucking clothes instead of just having your panties and him still being on fucking top of you oh Okay, I need to calm down. I'm, I'm going to give myself a heart attack over the fact that people are trying to have sex in a movie with their fucking underwear on. Makes, makes no fucking sense to me. Absolutely no fucking sense. So there's the chase. They race. They go over hills. They get almost try to get pulled over by the cops. They try to catch up to them. And eventually the same thing happens. The wraith gets way ahead of poor Packard here. And unbeknownst to him... He's going to meet his end at the end of this. And what ends up happening is that the Wraith 
it ends up at the end of one hour, uh, end of the road and starts driving towards Packard. Packard and him play basically play a game of chicken. And the two cars collide and Packard is no more. The cars blow up, the Wraith comes back and drives on, and then we see the cops and Loomis show up uh, to the crime scene, well, the crash scene, I guess I should say, and see that Packard, there's nothing left of the cars, but his body is still there. And for some reason, like everybody else that they've seen the body for, they still have their clothes on. But Packard, he happens when he gets stuck in this accident that he leaves him with absolutely nothing on. My God. Just like all the others. Loomis, there's only one body here. Cover him up. You want us to set up a new roadblock? We can still catch a bugger. We got guys waiting. Forget it, Murphy. Roadblocks won't stop something that can't be stopped. Loomis, what are you saying? I'm saying it's over. There's nobody left in Packard gang to kill. Clean this mess up and get the hell out of here. Wait, does this mean Loomis knows about the whole thing with Jamie coming back as Charlie Sheen, or Jake, I should say, and, like, getting revenge? Like, he's okay with this all of a sudden now? Like, he realizes this is exactly what happened? Like, how did he piece this all together? And nobody else in this fucking movie has pieced these little things. Like, he's just kind of cool with the whole thing. Yeah, uh, there's nothing else that we can do. He's gotten his revenge. He's killed everybody. Uh, It's a supernatural thing, and we're just not going to fucking deal with it. Because we want to get to the end of the fucking movie, right? So Jake, he goes back, and he drives the Wraith this time up to Carrie's door. He When he comes out, he's now is completely free of the outfit like everything is done he no longer has to wear it and as he tells her you know he's glad or he's not necessarily glad but he'll never have to do that again and we also find out that finally carrie has put two and two together and realized that like oh my god i can't believe it you're actually jamie who fucking thought i can't do that again Jake. You know who I am. Jamie. It's as close as I could come to who I once was. It's close enough. Just think of this as a second chance. We were meant to be together, Carrie. Look, I got one more thing to do. Don't leave me again. Don't worry, I'll be back short trip back light okay so now we need to figure out what this last thing that he has to do is but at the same time like he was talking about towards the beginning of the film right that he is only going to be here for a short time and that's it but now all of a sudden he's like yeah it's done so we can be together now and i'm just going to be in this body versus my original body and that this one was close enough to the original so like the and the guy that plays jamie when you see him in the flashbacks doesn't really look a whole lot like charlie sheen to be honest has similar hair and it's probably the stunt double 
and the guy that was in the fucking suit most of the time throughout this film. Like, it seems like they made this type of storyline with Jamie and Jake or whatever it is and made them look different because Charlie Sheen just didn't have the time to be there. I mean, that type of explanation makes the most sense to me, and it's weird that this is the situation that we kind of run to in the film. So, Jake, he decides that he's going to go over and see his brother one last time before he leaves. And out of this entire time, like, he has let everybody basically know. Sheriff Loomis has figured it out. Fucking Carrie now has figured it out. Packard and those guys probably figured it out with everything that's going on with this whole Wraith situation. And now he's going to go drop the car off to Billy. Billy, at this moment, is going to realize who exactly Jake is in one of the most ridiculous ways possible. And we're going to see Sheriff Loomis just watch them drive off into the distance, into the moonlight. And then we get the end theme song, and the film ends. Come on, Packard! Relax. You scared me, man. I'm sorry, man. It's been a heavy day already. I can see that. Well, it's time for me to hit the road. My business here is finished. Before I do, I want you to have something. She's yours now. Who's mine? It's outside. Turbo interceptor. The only one in existence. does very special things. Take care of it, will you? Who are you, bro? You said it, Billy. I gotta go. Hey, man, wait a minute. Where are you going? Where are you going? Hey, Billy. Instructions are in the glove compartment.
and that was the Wraith. So there's a couple things I want to talk about the ending right here, and then we can get in kind of the overall of everything. The first thing is, is he, like, framing him for murder at the end of this film? Like, I understand that Loomis is probably going to drop everything, and he's just realizing that, hey, you know what's the way it is, but then he's going to see Billy driving around in this car that nobody else has. The cops are going to see him, uh, and Loomis is going to see him, and is he just going to be like, oh, don't worry about that thing? But most of the cops are going to be like, hey, that's that guy who killed all these fucking kids. And then they're going to pull a report Billy, and Billy's going to get framed for it because they're going to be like, we saw this with their own eyes, and it ran into cop cars, and it did all this other shit. Like, really, Billy is going to get fucked, and Jake, Jamie, has done this to him. Uh, and then just that revelation. I'm sorry the cut was a little bad there, um, but I was kind of playing it by ear um, and getting the theme song because really after that happens, she just jumps on the bike and then they drive by Sheriff Loomis and then they drive into the moonset uh, and then the the music starts. So between Jake yell, or Billy yelling Jake, turning it into Jamie and realizing that that was his brother, it it's like another 30 seconds of absolutely nothing going on until we get the end theme song and i really didn't want to kind of put that in there uh but it just seems so ridiculous right because he like he how did he piece it together it it makes no sense that just because he gave him the car and he's like oh yeah i'll see you later instructions on the glove compartment hey who are you jake jake jamie like what how did that happen it makes no sense to me absolutely no sense there he wasn't given any type of thing at all in this film to be like oh okay there's where i put two and two together and everything just kind of matches up and hell okay he's really jamie and he came back maybe He's thinking back on his conversation that he had with Sheriff Loomis about somebody going around killing all these guys, and now that it's over, and he's giving him the car, and he hasn't actually seen the Wraith car, so I I don't know. Maybe he's upset the fact that Jamie's now framed him for the rest of his life? Who knows? So, overall, is this a film I recommend anybody seeing? You know what? I kind of do, because it's so ridiculous in parts, and actually it's a very entertaining film. It's a little slow in the beginning, but you can't go into it thinking that, hey, this is a Charlie Sheen vehicle, and maybe this is a Charlie Sheen vehicle I've never seen, because it's not. It's a Packard's movie, to be honest with you. It's all about him and him getting what he deserves, uh, versus Jamie truly getting revenge, right? It, it is, and that's what happens, and that's what we're rooting for, but... If you go into it being like, I have to see this lost, hidden Charlie Sheen gem that maybe not everybody knows about, then you're going to be very disappointed the fact that he's just not in it. I mean, I really wish that he had more to do with it. I think maybe because if that story of him having to do another film at the same time is true, then honestly it makes sense. He never fucking did anything with this film. He was there just for a little bit. He filmed his scenes. It makes sense that they had to throw in the line of, well, that's why I don't look the same, because, hey, I couldn't film those other scenes, and I could only be here for this time period. So, it's interesting. Um, So, rating-wise, what do I give it? Well, Agor, it's a 1 out of 5. There's really nothing in it. Um, I might even give it a 0, but I don't really go to zeros on my scale, uh, unless it's really terrible, but you know, there's some cool explosions. You know, if you want some Michael Bay moments, not 
terrible, but nothing really happens. And, and the painting of the face with the m- missing eyes. And then there is a bloody scene that Billy, when he gets punched in his face, it's a little extra bloody, you know. But that's about it. There's nothing really... You're not going to this film for the gore quotient of the film. Uh, crap factor of this movie, it is a 4 out of 5. Uh, I originally read rated it a 3 out of 5, but the acting of Carrie's actress is so terrible. The fact that Charlie Sheen is just phoning in everything. Um, as much as I like the characters of Skank and Gutterboy, and they grew on to me, they're still fucking annoying at the same time, uh, especially Gutterboy's character. Um, Randy Quaid seems to be the only person that kind of cares, uh, but he really feels like he could be acting like that in a National Lampoon's Vacation movie at the same time. Um, so you take it with a grain of salt. It's just crappy, and especially with the reused footage from things uh, when they were on the highway, it's the same footage that you saw before, just kind of repurposed. It's just kind of crappy. The fun factor, though, I'd give it a 3 out of 5. The racing scenes are great. Um, The... Just, like, I do like some of the scenes with Skank and Gutterboy, and I honestly felt bad that they got kind of suckered in and killed in this film. Because just like Raghead, I don't really think they should have been killed. At least Gutterboy shouldn't have been killed. I felt really bad for him more than I felt for every anybody else in the film. Uh, I think that, you know, there are a couple things to kind of be like, what the fuck? There are some really laugh-out-loud moments that make it fun. Uh, and the soundtrack kicks fucking ass! Man, it is, it's just good. I don't know what else to say. The orchestral stuff that they do, it's okay. But the music that they used, it just gets you pumped. It's really good to to me. And it brings me back to that time where I really enjoyed those soundtracks like I talked a lot in the beginning of the podcast. So for that alone, it makes the film really fun for me and makes me want to listen to the soundtrack again and again and again. And also go and listen back to the Transformer soundtrack too. So overall, I give this film three out of five WD-40 shots to the nose. Uh, it's fun. It's entertaining. It, it is a, your mileage may vary. If you've seen it before and you love it, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with your opinion in general. I mean, this is me just giving my fucking opinion, and this is what I think. So, if you really want to search out this film and see it, see it. Just note that you really get, and like I said in the beginning, every clip that I played that had Charlie Sheen in it, except for one, is in this. And that's it. You could go count the minutes that that is, and that might be about ten minutes or less, really, almost all of his dialogue is in this podcast. So, it's, again, if you're going for it to see early Sheen, which I think is good Sheen, this might not be the film for you. If you're just trying to go in and enjoy a silly, freaking 80s revenge spirit movie, fucking go for it. It's great. Um, There are people that love this movie. There's people that hate this movie. And I'm right in the middle. I'm glad that I finally got to see it. And thank you, Derek, for bringing this to my attention and requesting me to watch and review this film. So with that said, the next film that we are going to look at, and this is something that I didn't do last year, and I did it on purpose. um, But this year, I promised Patrick from the Paranormal Pativity podcast as well as uh, from the episode of Alien vs. Predator, uh, that I would do this Leprechaun film for St. Patrick's Day, and 
uh, I am not looking forward to doing Leprechaun Origins. why this isn't a tourist destination this village is only like 300 years old whoa now that's creepy there's a lot of things about our village that people don't know about a lot of things that uh, well we like to keep private if it's real history you want to see you need to see the stones of the gods it's a seven hour hike from here but you can always stay in one of the cabins down the road Cabin in the woods. Let's not delay. Did you hear that? There's something out there. It's locked. What is going on, guys? What is that thing? What does that mean? Leprechaun. Run. Sorry to give you such a scare. So that's right. The film starring Hornswoggle himself uh, is the next movie that we're going to be looking at. And like I said, I'm not very excited about this one. Uh, The original Leprechaun movies, as dumb as they can be, uh, Warwick Davis makes it for me. And this is getting to its more horror type of roots, but it looks absolutely terrible at the same time. So it's available right now on Amazon Prime. Uh, At the time that I'm speaking of this on this podcast, it may change. Who knows? It'll probably stay up during the whole March season for St. Patty's Day, uh, as well as the other Leprechaun movies that you can check out there. And before you watch this one, check out the Leprechaun Back to the Hood episode of the podcast um, and see where the differences might lie between this movie and the end of the Leprechaun franchise. Um, And this may have been the end of the Leprechaun franchise. So uh, if you have movies that you'd like me to review, please hit me up. You can hit me by email, terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out and DM me uh, or tag me and post on Facebook, facebook.com slash terrible terrible podcast and Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast, Instagram, terrible terror podcast, uh, as well as the horror amino app. At the time that this episode is recording, I'm going to be putting up a poll because to give you guys kind of an idea where the podcast is going to be going for the next couple of months, um, after this episode, I'm going to delve into the world of video game horror movies. Now, we already did Resident Evil, and I'm not going to touch on that franchise. I feel like I'm going to leave other episodes of that to kind of splice in every now and then, because it's kind of become its own horror franchise onto itself, even though it is based on a video game. But I have two movies, one that people have been asking me to do, one that I want to do for myself, and then I'm kind of stuck with the middle movie. So... The idea that I have going on here is that 
I'm going to have a poll for the third movie, uh, the one that goes in the middle. The same poll will be up on the Facebook page, it'll be up on Twitter, and it'll be up on the Horror Amino app. So go to either one of those three and make your vote. I can't stop you from voting more than once on any of those polls, uh, but I kind of want your opinion. It's going to be between three or four movies. Um, one that is a video game horror movie, uh, not a horror movie that is based on a video game. So... That's kind of weird, but you'll get it when you see what the movie title is, and I bet you can think about what it is from here. But the other ones are kind of all in that realm. One of these movies is from a director that has not hit this podcast yet, and this is going to be the one. And I don't know if I want to add a second one to that list, but it's going to be included because I think it's just as fucking ridiculous. In fact, maybe even two of his movies might be on the list, but I'm going to maybe avoid it at the same time. So... I'll leave that up to you guys. So you guys get to pick the middle one. I've been, you know, request. The first one's already been requested. And the last one is a personal pick. And then that's going to lead into sci-fi month. So April, uh, end of March, April, uh, video game horror movies. And then in uh, May, it'll be sci-fi month. And so suggestions for sci-fi movies, again, to look at for that month. Um whether I'm going to do a complete month or I'm going to say bleed it over into two months, I don't know yet, but this is just to give you an insight into my brain on how I'm trying to plan out the rest of this year's, uh, this season's podcast. Because I, I know the season four starter movie already that I'm going to do, and I hope you guys really enjoy it. Um, and it's one of my favorite movies, and it's based on where I went to college, and I'll leave it at that. Um, And for those that can guess that and know that, you'll know exactly what the movie is. So go on to Twitter, Facebook, and or the Horror Amino app and vote for the movie that will be the third of the video game horror movies um, out of. And there's not a whole lot of them, but you know, hopefully you guys will pick one that you'll really enjoy and maybe one that I haven't seen or haven't seen in quite a while. The other two I think you guys can really enjoy and the third one, not to give it away, but it's a mix and that's why I want that movie to actually lead me into the sci-fi month because uh, it is horror slash sci-fi when you think about it. So uh, go ahead also and give a listen. I, I think, believe I messaged on the last podcast, but you really need to go check out uh, the Paranormal Pativity podcast. Um, and please hit him up if you do have uh, ghost stories that you'd like him to read. He had a very good first episode. Uh, I think everybody should go check it out. Uh, also, Dave, Phantom Dark Dave, who has been on this show multiple times before, he has started Dave's Pop Culture Podcast. I want you guys to all go give it a, a shot. The first episode is out, and yes, I'm even I told him it's a little rough, but the conversation is really interesting, and it's about Batman the Animated Series, which I freaking love. Uh, and so, <laughs> Mark Hamill Joker, best Joker. Uh, and so... Go ahead and give that a listen as well. I'd really love it if you guys you know gave him some love and then you know also left him and Pat and uh, everybody else, uh, the BTV guys, um, Cadaver Cast, Angry Dad. Go out there, leave them reviews on their uh, iTunes if you have an iTunes account or wherever you have an account with, and tell them that I sent you or just tell them that hey you know you guys put out a good podcast because you really do um and with alex and the btv guys uh they constantly put out fucking excellent content 
and you guys really need to check out the stuff that they do um, just from, you know, intothevoid.com. And if I have fucked up that URL, please, because they, correct me, um, but they put a lot of really good content on that site, and uh, they're really nice and cool dudes, and I, I you know, just want to make sure that they get the love that they need as well. And also, I have to mention Isaac again. Isaac Thorne, go buy his books, please. Uh, the the dude has been so supportive of this podcast that it is absolutely fucking nuts. Uh, and I cannot say that, you know, there have been other people. There are people that I know that are very supportive. And I know I'm rambling at the end of this goddamn podcast. And I should just be fucking ending it. But there are people that I know personally that are supportive of me and, and help me out, and I really appreciate them. But to have somebody that, like, I just kind of know from, uh, I don't want to say a glance, but just kind of like, oh, we know each other, internet buddies, not like know each other, know each other. You know, I know of Isaac, but the fact that he's constantly supporting the podcast is fucking amazing, and he really needs to get the love that uh, he deserves as well. So... Please go check everybody out. Um, and with that, I guess we're going to be saying goodbye for now. And uh, make sure that you watch Leprechaun Origins for the next podcast. And that's it. I'll leave you here. And we'll see you in two weeks. Ciao.